0: Welcome to Politics and Psychology, I'm Dr. Renee Carr and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. Today we are talking about the happiest countries in the world and why. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, please also give your thoughts or questions in the comments section below. Well, I hope you're having a great day and that you enjoyed your weekend. If you're listening to me live, then it's beginning about to be the beginning of September. And I hope you also have a great September. But more importantly, because I care about your life and not just this day or this month, I want to make sure that we're understanding not only what are the happiest countries, but also how we can learn from this and then increase your own happiness as well. So let's get started. Um, and also, by the way, happiness was actually the basis of my doctoral dissertation, and later I'll provide um, episodes on specific ways that you can increase your own happiness, and I'm going to give you a few of those tidbits today based off the, this national data. But today, as we discussed, the countries are the happiest, let's review what the data shows, and it's based off of the 156 countries that were surveyed during 2021. So what is happiness? Happiness. Happiness is an emotion studied by psychologists, hashtag Dr. Renee Carr. In scholarly research, there is not one global definition of happiness. And that's because happiness means different things to different people. And if you're in an Eastern country, happiness is measured on variables or things that are different from what you may see in a Western country. So because of that, we have a combination of main variables or main things that are related to happiness when we see happiness used in international research and that is one subjective well-being two emotional well-being three positive affect i'll go over affect in a minute and then four your overall quality of life or your life satisfaction So looking at happiness research is usually defining happiness as related to all four of these variables. Um, In everyday language, happiness is often mistakenly identified with feelings of pleasure. For example, when a person is feeling euphoria or a lot of excitement, or maybe even a lot of peace, they may describe this as happiness. In actuality, You might have a feeling of happiness, but you may not be happy in the true sense because feeling happy and being happy are not the same. Being happy refers to an enduring or a longer time condition versus feeling happy is related to momentary pleasures or momentary feelings of happiness. And the feeling of happiness can change from day to day or moment to moment. It could be based off of what you eat, a post that you saw that was funny. It could be off of how you feel about your body that day. So feeling happy is different from being happy. And again, for that reason, that's why it can be different um, in, for measured measuring purposes for different countries. So to f- to define it and study it scientifically, researchers study happiness as a person's one, overall evaluation of his or her life quality, and two, an individual's cognitions, which means their thought, and their emotions. Now, historically, humans have strived to achieve happiness and have considered it to be the most important goal in life. For example, think about your own life. Most of the goals individuals set for themselves are either related to increase their happiness or to maintain it or in an effort to maintain it. And the main categories are usually your career or school choice, your social activities, your hobbies, desires for marriage or having children, your self-esteem. So all of the main goals that people usually set in our society are based off of things to either increase happiness or maintain happiness. So think about your own happiness. What are you doing today? Mainly because you believe it will lead to your happiness or it will eventually lead to your happiness. In addition to our individual life goals, we also have outside factors and events that will affect our happiness. When we look at the happiness levels in a country, for example, we look at the overall life evaluations of what that country's citizens report. And what has been consistent for the past 15 years in studying the happiness level of countries around the world has shown that in addition to our internal goals and our internal feelings and our internal evaluations of our life, there are also external variables and consistently it relates to the quality of a country's government. And more importantly, the majority of citizens' beliefs about the quality of that government. And they're very strong predictors of a country's overall happiness. So let's get to the report of where I'm gathering this data from. The World Happiness Report is a publication of the Sustainable Development Solutions Network. And this is a group of independent researchers and independent experts acting in their own personal capacities. So as I try to encourage you often is to remember to use new sources and information sources whether it's for pleasure or education or just for your wealth and well-being understand that if you are able to get it from an independent news source from an expert independent news source you're more likely to have unbiased information and so that's where this World Happiness Report is from and to make it even more unbiased, and to make it more accurate, when I say that it's the 2022 report, the 2022 report is actually based off of data for the past three years by ending December 31st, 2021. So that means 2021, 2020, and 2019 are used as the average data in the 2022 report. The same would be if you had a 2017 report. The 2017 report will be based off of data from the previous three years, which would have been 2016, 2015, and 2014. And the reason why we try to use more data than just one particular year is because you can have a very significantly traumatic year, such as COVID-19, which happened in 2020, or you can have a very great year as far as a country having a lot of wealth. Or you can have a year where there's a lot of national tragedy, such as September 11th in America. So because of that, we don't go off of just how is one country rating their happiness for one year, but instead for the past three years, and then what is the average of that data for the past three years. So this helps to make sure it's not biased that is not situational, and that we can use this information to actually help not only predict a country's happiness, but also maybe think of ways to increase a country's happiness. So of the 156 countries that were examined in the World Happiness Report for 2022, I will share the top 20. And these are number one, Finland, two, Denmark, three, Iceland, 4, Switzerland, 5, the Netherlands, 6, Luxembourg, 7, Sweden, 8, Norway, 9, Israel, 10, New Zealand, 11, Austria, 12, Australia, 13, Ireland, 14, Germany, 15, Canada, 16, United States, 17, United Kingdom, seven, I'm sorry, 18, Czechia, 19, Belgium, and 20, France. And I won't go into all of the other remaining 136 countries, but these are the top 20. And of these top 20, there are many countries that are not only consistently in the top 20, but they are consistently in the top eight. And these are number one, Finland, number two, Denmark, and I'll get into three, four, and five in a minute. Now, what's interesting is that Finland is not only number one for this year, but it has been number one for the past five years. And two, Denmark has consistently been number two for the past five years. What's even more interesting is that out of all five of the Nordic countries, all of them are consistently in the top eight out of these happiness ratings for the past 15 years. And the five Nordic countries are Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland. So What's important to see is that not only is there a consistency in the ratings, but also what makes them happier than other countries, which is where we're going to go next. So the three top measures for the World Happiness Report, it goes off of top three measures, measures meaning how are we measuring it, and then those top three measures or measurements are then broken down into a total of seven sub-measurements. So the top three measurements of deciding of which countries are happier than the others are one, life evaluation, two, positive affect, and three, negative affect. Even though we're using the terms positive affect and negative affect, it does not mean that positive means good feelings and negative means bad feelings. Positive affect merely means how much of a presence of pleasant experiences Can we see the person experiencing through their facial expressions or their body expressions? And negative affect, meaning how much of the unpleasant experiences of emotions can we observe in the person's facial expressions or their body language? When you're looking at the top three measures, it's life evaluation, positive affect, and negative affect. And remember that no emotion is good or bad. Now, the reason why we're using life evaluation versus feelings is because life evaluation is more of a longer term, whereas feelings, as we said earlier, can always change. So feelings of happiness can change based off of anything that happened that day or in the past few months. But when you are feeling happy versus being happy, you can have a being happy experience and it might last longer than the momentary feelings of happiness but it won't be as accurate as if you had a life evaluation. And that's because feelings of happiness or being happy, when you're asked to go back and evaluate those, when you're trying to evaluate your feelings, it's not always accurate. So we instead use a life evaluation measurement. And the life evaluation is a top three measure because it examines your life as a whole not just your feelings. It imagines the things that happen. It measures the things that happens. It examines your feelings in those experiences, but not just the feelings themselves. So now let's go to the subcategories of those top three measures of one, life evaluation, two, positive affect, three, negative affect. And the top seven are GDP per capita, which is gross domestic product, Two, healthy life expectancy at birth. Three, levels of social support. Four, freedom to make life choices. Five, generosity. Six, perceptions. And seven, affect. So GDP per capita is the gross domestic product. And this is basically a comprehensive measure of a country's economic activity. And when we say per capita, it means per person. So per capita income measures the amount of money that a country earns that year per person. The other variable is perception of corruption. So if a country's citizens, if the majority of them believed that their government was corrupt, they were more likely to report lower levels of happiness. If they believed that the majority of businesses in their country were corrupt, They were also more likely to report lower levels of happiness. So, now let's explore why these countries are the 20 happiest countries in the world. Since why is because they continue to increase in their GDP per capita, they continue to increase in healthy life expectancy for their citizens, they continue to decrease. In their perceptions of corruption in their governments and businesses, they have higher levels of a sense of freedom to make choices, and they have higher levels of overall generosity to each other than citizens citizens in other countries. And lastly, they consistently experience higher levels of overall social support. Now let's use this data not just to understand countries and their levels of happiness, but how can we use the same information and the same data to increase the happiness in your own individual life? So one for the GDP. So think about your own gross domestic product. So what are some ways that you can increase your economic freedom? Now, of course, it's always easier said than done. Like, how can I increase my wealth or how can I increase my financial status? You may not have to actually do anything different from going out and getting a new job or creating a new business or selling a product. But what can you do with either the lifestyle that you have or the financial choices that you're making? For example, if you have to have a double macchiato, extra foam, extra sweet cream, then maybe have it every other day rather than every day. Now, if you're someone who's like me and I love tea lattes and boba tea, I'm not going to do this if you told me to. So I would instead maybe make a different lifestyle change for something else. For example, I may not get a new bottle of nail polish, vegan nail polish every week or something. So figure out ways that can help you increase your own economic freedom in ways that work for you to still enjoy life without having a poverty mentality, but to have a more financially responsible lifestyle and mindset of abundance. The second thing you can do is with your life expectancy, how can you improve your physical health, but how can you do it in an enjoyable ways? So I work out. And I'd rather work out every day and doing at my own pace and maybe not being the one who's in the background doing a thousand lunges a day, maybe doing 50 a day, but doing it every day because that works more for me. I like to walk a lot, so I may walk 30 minutes a day rather than being in the gym running for a six hour marathon in my own mind. So what can you do to improve physical health in your own ways that you enjoy doing that can also increase your life expectancy? Now, freedom of choices was another measurement in this world happiness report. So are you in relationships? Are you in careers or a job? Or do you have a daily lifestyle where you have no freedom? or the freedom that you have is very limited, and you're afraid to say this to this person, afraid to do that in that particular setting, or in your work, you're constantly being belittled. If so, think about it. What are you doing to encourage you having less freedom? And what can you do to have more freedom either in those relationships or by getting out of those relationships out of those careers or jobs where you're being constantly felt as if you have no choices and no freedom and you feel more constricted rather than free the fourth is generosity Be more generous in your behaviors and not just when we're having a calamity or a world tragedy tragedy or even a local tragedy but what can you do to be more generous on a regular basis And you could do these in three ways. You can either donate any amount. It could be a dollar. It could be clothes that you have already worn. They're gently used. It could be anything. It could be donating your time to read a book to a child who is blind or an adult um, who doesn't have anyone to visit them at the senior home. Help a stranger in any kind of way that is safe for you. And you can also volunteer and you can volunteer anywhere. You can volunteer at the puppy shelter. You can volunteer to help recycling. You can even volunteer just on your own by picking up stray trash in your community. So those are the top three ways of being generous that are also linked to pro-social behaviors for the countries that are also happier than the other countries. Um, and I mentioned social support. So what can you do to make more friends or to make more enjoyable friendships and relationships and make sure that when you do it, you don't focus on just having more friends, but having people who really care about you and people who you really care about and that you enjoy being with because you may really love and care for someone, but you can't stand the sound of their voice or they're very irritating and frustrating with you. So have relationships, friendships, organization, associations like a soccer team or an adult volleyball team. It could be an adult knitting group, whatever it is. But as people who you really enjoy being with, they really enjoy being with you. You enjoy your time together. And then during times of need, need, you could just talk with them and they can talk with you. So having overall positive and enjoyable social supports. And in fact, when we look at the data for the happiness countries in the world, what we're seeing is that consistently, regardless of the gross domestic product, for regardless of how much wealth there is, it's the Latin countries that always have higher levels of happiness because of their social supports. And it's because of their cultural experience of having multi-generational social environments. So not only is there family, there's different generations of family Different generations of social relationships with other people's families that gives a sense of unity and support for different stages of life that you may be going through, that you can go to someone else and also get support, friendship, love, laughs, and maybe even financial support, obviously. So, then applying this to yourself, how can you have a variety of people, a variety of experiences, and a variety of a group of people? and situations and activities that can add to your life as well as you adding to theirs. And the last piece of data that we can use to apply to your own life to increase your own happiness is the report showed that out of the 156 countries that were surveyed, citizens that had the following three behaviors had higher levels of happiness for their country than citizens that had lower levels of these three behaviors. And these are One, having a sense of life balance. Two, focusing on others more than yourself. And then three, choosing behaviors and relationships where you had a peace with your life. So you can add these to your own happiness and hopefully we can have your country even happier as well. Well, that ends our time for today, but please continue the conversation using science and love. And if you'll okay. run too fast